Hello, I'm Ryan Boll, a Stratfor Middle East and North Africa analyst at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by Worldview, RAIN's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Sign up for our free newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. You're listening to Rain's Essential Geopolitics Podcast, powered by Stratfor. I'm Emily Donahue. Big tech companies, including Google, Apple, Facebook, and Twitter, have been on the receiving end of some hefty pressure from Russia recently. Big fines, threats, and even a face-down with YouTube. What's it all about? Here with details is Matthew Orr, Stratfor Eurasia Analyst with Rain. Hey, Matthew. Hey, Emily. So let's talk about this pressure campaign against big tech. When did it begin? And and if you could answer, what are the motivations? Yeah, so I think there are really, well, let's start with the motivations. I think there are really two primary motivations. Uh, the first is that, and really the, the main one, is that Russia sees these kind of foreign tech giants and social media companies as the vehicles for politically undesirable values and content um, that are going to create and have already over the, over the past decade created the demand for more democratic governance in Russia that the regime really views as a threat. Kind of the secondary offshoot uh, motivation here is that Russia would like more pliable, if you will, domestic entities, um, you know, such as their own large tech companies like Yandex, to really replace these foreign companies uh, so that they can grow their revenue, focus more of their efforts on uh, expanding their business internationally uh, so that they don't have to worry and not have to worry about such fierce uh, domestic competition. Um, as far as when it started, um, it's, it's really hard to say, but I think really uh, one of the first major milestones is uh, the 2016 Yaravaya law, which kind of really set the, the ground rules for uh, increasing Russia's domestic surveillance state uh, and actually led to the blockage of LinkedIn, uh, the, the notable uh, uh, American social media service um, in, in later that year. And then we saw it develop even further in 2019 when Russia enacted its internet sovereignty law, uh, which really uh, allowed Russia to begin developing its domestic uh, surveillance techniques, its capabilities in this regard, which have really only grown uh, in the last year. And it's really in this last year uh, that uh, we've seen this campaign against big tech really kind of blossom into a, a full-fledged effort, we actually had a, a graphic on this in our fourth quarter forecast, uh, kind of laying out the major milestones uh, in, in this campaign. And so uh, at the end of last year, Russia passed a law that basically uh, was a signal to these companies that they would increase fines on them and really begin pressuring them for failing to delete unwanted content. Uh, we saw them take uh, the first unprecedented step of actually slowing down Twitter's traffic, which was a, a real major feat that everyone noticed. Um, because uh, two years ago they had failed in a, a campaign to shut down the app Telegram, an, another social media app that failed, and so they really they launched this campaign, and so it was a major milestone that they were able to slow down Twitter. And then, as uh, opposition leader Navalny's forces were uh, declared extremist, then we saw just a wave of actions against these companies, uh, telling them to remove content uh, in, in relation to him. And so that really led right up all the way to the election and kind of culminated in Google and Apple uh, deleting Navalny's app from their online marketplaces, um, which kind of was, which really people saw as the uh, kind of culmination of that effort and a major uh, seeding of ground to the Kremlin in this area. I mean, that's a big session. Can you talk about what we would be watching going forward here? 
Yeah. So, I mean, as far as going forward, I think that there are really kind of three scenarios or three ways to look about this. The first scenario is kind of a baseline scenario where we continue to see things like precisely what we saw today, which is uh, the Russia's internet sensor basically sending an ultimatum to YouTube uh, that they need to restore these uh, Russian channels and, and, and threatening them with blockage, slowdowns, or fines for failing to do so. So I think that uh, in, in the coming years, we're going to see this slow campaign to more often issue these ultimatums to foreign tech companies, basically signal to them that, you know, because you're in noncompliance, we, are, we can take action against you at any moment. Uh, to accompany that, they're going to crack down on VPNs and other ways that uh, Russians might access these services or find ways to get around Russia's blockages of, of these services. And the, the goal is, again, to wean people off these sites because in the long term, uh, they, they feel that they're kind of a danger um, to Russia. But I think that the Russian authorities don't want to cause super acute flare-ups that would lead to kind of the situation unraveling and blocking them too quickly because they, they don't want to kind of make this into a crisis or lead to excessive domestic blowback for kind of a sudden blockage of these, of these services. And so they, they want to do it very kind of gradually and, and slowly. Then the next scenario would be basically a variation of that uh, scenario, which I would call baseline, but with a crescendo. Uh, and this crescendo would be prior to Russia's uh, 2024 presidential election, uh, where basically the idea here is that we see all the same things that we would see in the baseline scenario. But uh, in this case, uh, in the lead up to this very tense uh, 2024 presidential election, where uh, Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, is going to decide either to run for another six-year term or is going to designate, launch this complicated succession process and designate a successor, uh, that e either way, uh, there was going to be a lot of domestic um, blowback to that and kind of unrest and disenchantment. And so they might feel that they may need to take major action against these companies prior to that election to avoid them being used as vehicles to kind of uh, spread uh, those sentiments. Uh, and then finally, the, the final scenario is maybe something like um, a, a game of chicken that gets out of hand where uh, – uh, Russian authorities continue to issue these ultimatums. Uh, you know, the Western tech companies refuse to comply, and then uh, you know Russia actually does go ahead, go about blocking or slowing them down. And it gets to the point where they just say, "Okay, well, we'll find we're gonna we're we're actually gonna be the ones to to pull the plug." And so it leads to them uh, reducing, scaling down, or even leaving Russia in kind of a, a sudden and unexpected way that they may think is a, a way of kind of you know upping the game of chicken with the Russian government, but really will just lead to kind of the, the scenario spiraling out of control. An another one of the big factors that's limiting Russia in, in this regard is that they don't have domestic analogs prepared to replace a lot of these big services like Google, things like Google Docs even, uh, YouTube, of course, they've been trying to make a domestic streaming service and, and video service for, for years, but it, and, and, it, and they do have one called RuTube, but it's really just not getting off the ground. And so if right now they're, de they're probably not prepared to uh, take these steps. I think that by 2024, uh, with, with each year, the, the likelihood grows that they will feel that their domestic analogs are capable of replacing uh, these Western services. That being said, Matthew, how are these behaviors or these decisions that Russia's making going to affect its relations with Western audiences? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really important question. I think it's crucial to understand here that Russia kind of sees this slow-boiling campaign against big tech as a, a form of pressure and leverage 
in the ongoing cyber security talks with the United States, which were launched after the, the, the Putin-Biden summit in Geneva. Basically, the, the Russian idea here is they want to draw an equivalence. I, I think it's a very dubious equivalence, but it's one that they feel that uh, provides them leverage, whereby you know uh, Russia's failing to go after domestic ransomware groups or cyber criminals is equivalent to uh, the U.S. Uh, failing to take Russian demand seriously when they say that, you know, these tech companies are interfering in our domestic affairs. And so, uh, yeah, we, we do see this Russian domestic issue being very kind of deliberately tied to U.S.-Russian relations uh, and, and Russia's relations with, with the broader world. Um, so I think that that element of this is, is really another big space uh, to watch uh, going forward. Matthew Orr is Stratfor Eurasia Analyst with RAIN. Thank you so much for that guidance, Matthew. Sure thing. It was a pleasure to be here. Sign up for our free newsletter today to stay updated on Moscow's moves against big tech and their effects on U.S.-Russian relations. Go to stratfor.com slash worldview. That's stratfor.com slash worldview. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. 